When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, this episode is going to be the mid-season review of the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. We're going to go over some major events from the first half of the season, a quick review of each game. We're going to talk about each position and their performances, give out some grades, We're going to do a quick preview of the upcoming game against the Steelers, and then we're going to welcome in Tom McLevy and Justin Lacey for a special midseason roundtable. What's up, guys? This is Evan McPherson, and you're listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. Cincinnati Bengals fans, I would like to introduce Frank LaPlaca. So the bye week is over, the worst week of the season because there's no Cincinnati Bengal football. And as much as I love the NFL, watching on a Sunday when there's no Bengals going on just doesn't feel the same. So this is the only week we have to be without them. And now for the foreseeable future and into February, hopefully, we're going to have the Cincinnati Bengals every week. And that's such a good thing. All right, so let's quickly go over some headlines. There's not really that many, but two very big headlines are DJ Reader has been cleared to practice And that's someone who we need down the stretch for this defense. He obviously makes the run defense astronomically better. And it's good to have him coming up for this big run. we got a lot of tough teams coming in the second half. And our top three defensive player is going to be back in the fold. That's going to help a lot. And Brandon Wilson, one of my favorites, is coming back. I don't know when, but he's cleared to practice. So, you know, give him a couple weeks and we're going to have him back there returning kicks. And if Dax Hill is down for any period of time, Brandon Wilson will be playing safety. So there's a lot of options for him. Cannot wait to see him back on the field. You know, it's a long a long road back from an ACL, and I cannot wait to see the results. All right, so reflecting on the first half of the 2022 season, I made a quick list of what I consider to be major events in this season. So in no particular order, I'm just going to run through them very quickly. I think Ken Riley being in heavy consideration for the Hall of Fame is big for this organization. The Clark Harris injury was a major one. He goes out for the year very early in the season. You know, that's something that we didn't expect. I would consider that a major event. Awuzie going down. He was having a Pro Bowl season two, torn ACL, so that was another one. Big event in the season because you have this guy playing at the top of the league, shutting down the best receivers from other teams, and now we're going against some heavy-duty passing teams without him. The Jamar Chase injury, I hate to keep saying all these injuries are major events, but they really are. And Jamar Chase is the kind of player that I just felt was invincible. I was like, he's a tank. Nothing is going to hurt this guy. Scary injury. I can't wait to have him back, but I do not want to rush him back because, you know, we could have a decade of elite play as long as he's handled properly through this injury. The DJ Reader injury, which we talked about, that's a major one. I think the naming of the stadium to Paycor was a big move. Millions and millions of dollars for the organization and one of the last teams to actually convert and you know kind of sell out or sell the naming rights. So it was a big thing, and I think it was a positive thing for the Brown family and for the organization. 
the white helmets are huge. That's a big, exciting thing. You know, the orange helmets have been the stalwart for years and years and years. And here we are with these really cool white helmets that every other team in the league wishes that they had. And all the partnerships they developed. Every time you go on Bengals.com, they're listing a new corporation that they're partnering with in some way. And that shows the front office and the progressive thinking of Elizabeth Blackburn and making more money for the organization, bringing us into the modern century and, you know, forward thinking, all good stuff. You know, when we read stuff with Paycor and partnerships, to the fan, that doesn't matter because it's not about X's and O's and how guys are performing. But on the back end, that stuff really strengthens your organization. So good to see that we're really forward thinking regarding making money and partnerships and naming rights and, you know, bringing in extra income from things outside of football. The crowd loyalty has been a big thing. I mean, we all knew that we had a loyal fan base, but they're just coming out in record numbers this year. The tailgates are off the hook. The crowd noise is off the hook. So I would consider that a major thing for this season, too. It's got to continue. Guys, even if they end up being a 500 team, they won't this year. But if they fall to that and they're not this Super Bowl contender, let's still support them with the same energy because why not? It's no fun to be a negative Bengals fan. It's, you know, you think positively, positive things happen. The Mixon five touchdown game was huge. The Joe Burrow 481 yards and five touchdown game, that was huge. Those are all big things. And then moving on to other teams, Pittsburgh's inability to score is is something I consider pretty major. Pickett struggling a little bit. The Browns having a bad record, except when they play us. But, you know, those are things that I consider to be major events of the season. The Jets with this crazy record, I can't believe that they're bringing that roster to that kind of record right now. Although I don't think they're going to be a a dominant team when the playoffs come around. I think they're kind of going to be a first round out. But the way the Jets have performed has been crazy. And the same thing with the Giants. Because I live in the New York market and you're just expecting both of those teams to be doormats every year. And you don't have faith in the quarterbacks. and, And here they both are at the top of the league. Pretty crazy. I don't think either one is going anywhere. But just a very big surprise. And with that said, guys that are normally at the top of the league have come down to earth a little bit. Brady, you know, he's still probably going to go somewhere this year, but, you know, I don't know if he ever should have came back. He messed up his family life. He's getting beat up because of a bad offensive line, and he's playing on a team that's flirting with 500. So real tough for him to come back and tough to see Tom Brady in the middle of the pack, but you never know. Aaron Rodgers is struggling. I knew Russell Wilson didn't have much left in the tank, but you can really see that now when they play. I can't believe how well the Eagles have played, and I can't believe how well the Vikings have played. So a lot of major things and a lot of surprises this season in the NFL, and I just can't wait for the second half and see what other surprises come up. All right, since we're at the halfway point, a quick review of the first nine games. Steelers game, we slept walk through that game. Joe Burrow got beat up so badly. It was the shock of thinking that our offensive line was rebuilt and then realizing that we're vulnerable to a team with a couple good pass rushers and just a total shock. You know, that's like almost getting knocked out with one punch. You just didn't see it coming, and that's how that game was. And we had it won at the end. We had the Joe Burrow magic at the end to to tie the game, and then unfortunately the Clark Harris injury led to some mishaps and just a weird, weird loss to open the season. And then the Cowboys, same thing. Micah Parsons just wrecked that game in Game 2, and we just couldn't recover from it. Even though we came back at the end, had a chance to win, same thing. They score a late field goal. So, you know, 0-2 with with two shockers that probably should have went the other way. And a big surprise thinking that the offensive line was solidified and watching it just 
let Joe Burrow get assaulted those first two games. Granted, we've gotten better since then, but those first two games were pretty ugly. Then we bounce back against the Jets. We catch him with Flacco. You know, the Jets kind of got hot a couple games after we played him, so we caught them at the right time. Dolphins, big win, because the Dolphins were undefeated at the time. We went in, knocked them out, literally knocked Tua out, which was pretty ugly, pretty scary. The Ravens game, heartbreaker, same thing. Late heroics by Joe Burrow, should have been a win. You can't leave too much time for Justin Tucker, as we saw. Saints game, more Burrow heroics at the end with Jamar Chase in kind of their home stadium, we'll call it, you know, down in LSU land. Magical game, magical moment. Really exciting to see them come back at the end in a game that we kind of sleptwalk through. And that's been the common theme. You know, you think about it. Steelers game, Cowboys game, Ravens game, Saints game. And what, we ended up 1-3 in in those games. Then we have the huge game against the Falcons with Joe Burrow just electrifying the world and putting up Monopoly numbers. You have the Browns let down, which is, you know, they're always playing us tough. You always think that we're going to switch things around on them, and unfortunately they had our number again, even though they had so many injuries. The ugliest game of the year, the one that you don't watch back on your DVR when you're reviewing the season at the end. And then you have the Panthers game, which was another electrifying, magical game, a blowout in our favor. And I always say the blowouts on your end, it's nice to just have the win in your back pocket, but they're not the most exciting games to watch either. But who cares? We needed to win more than anything. So that's how we ended up 5-4. and four. Slept, walked a little bit, had some really, really good moments, and have some momentum now heading into a week's rest where everyone heals up, and we really head into the toughest part of the schedule. All right, a quick review of the draft picks and how they fare. Dax Hill, I don't know what's going on with his shoulder. I haven't really read much on it. It didn't look good. He's probably a little bit banged up, and I'm just shocked that they haven't used him more. He's a great athlete. You want to get his feet wet, especially if he's going to replace Jesse Bates next year. You want to get him as much experience as you can, and you don't see him in there enough, in my opinion. And now with the injury, you know, who knows what's going to happen with him. So it's been a tough rookie season for him so far. But like I said, get him as much time as you can now because we're going to be leaning on him more as the years go by. And, you know, that athleticism isn't going away. And the -the on-the-field acumen is going to improve with more playing time. So, you know, jury's still out on whether he was a great pick or not. But I still like the pick and happy to have him on the team. Just want to see that the shoulder's okay and want to use him more. Cam Taylor-Britt, again, these injuries are biting these young players. That core injury took out the first quarter of the season for him. They're easing him back in. And now he's in a position where he's got to really stand up and play and start and cover great wide receivers. So he's going to get trial by fire. And so far, he's been, let's call it, in the middle. You know, hasn't been great, hasn't been horrible. But we're going to see. He's going to have a lot of tests upcoming. And we're going to really see what we have in that second-round pick. And I know everyone was really excited about him. I'm still excited about him because he shows he belongs. He's out there. He's being aggressive. He's tackling. It's not like he's totally lost out there. But let's see where his ceiling can take us. And, you know, that'll be the judge on how good that second-round pick was. And, again, one year isn't going to tell. you got to look back after three years, four years, to really determine, you know, what kind of player that guy was for your team. But Cam Taylor-Britt, look out because you got a lot of action coming at you with the Chiefs, the Bills, the Ravens, the whole deal. And you're going to be tested. And I'm hoping that you're up for the test. And I think that you are. Zach Carter's been a nice rotational piece. And he's getting more action with DJ Reader out. And he's standing up. Not putting up any huge numbers. But not being a liability. You know, just a rotational guy that's that's performing well. You know, as a third round pick, I might have wanted to see a little more production. And he was very dominant in the preseason. But again, you know, you're thinking about all these rookies. They're nine games into their career. So 
their their story hasn't been written yet. Anything can happen. They could become Hall of Famers. They could become busts. You can't really tell after nine games. But Zach Carter is showing that he does belong in the NFL. Cordell Volson, nice surprise there. Early struggles, and I was one of the first ones to want to pull him because you know even a couple bad early games could get Joe Burrow killed. Burrow survived Volson's early mistakes, and now we're getting some return on our investment. He's he's blocking well in the passing game. He's mauling people in the running game. The mental errors are, are occurring less and less. The leverage issues are occurring less and less. As a fourth-round pick, I'm going to say that he is the most successful draft pick from this year's draft so far. You know, we'll see what the future holds, but he's a starter, and he has the frame to do it. It's just getting a little more NFL experience. Tyson Anderson, another one with a tough injury. I believe it's a core, and he's on IR. We didn't see much of him before the injury. Obviously, we're not seeing any of him now, so we don't really know what we have there. An aggressive player, a special teamer, great speed, great athleticism. We'll see what happens with Tyson Anderson, but so far, first year, not really many returns. And Jeffrey Gunter, another one who excelled very much in preseason. He banged up his knee a little bit. So, I mean, you look at the common trend. Hill, Britt, Anderson, Gunter, four out of these six draft picks have have had to deal with injury already in their rookie year. So that's a tough way to start your career. Gunter's been in there on special teams a little bit. He's had a few snaps on defense. Not really too much of a chance to shine so far. But let's consider him a rotational player. And again, nine games into his career, he's missed a couple with the injury. We'll see what we have there. Too early to tell with Jeffrey Gunter. So overall, we don't really know about this draft class. It looks like we have a functional lineman. It looks like we could have a safety of the future. And we're going to see what this cornerback does under fire in, in Taylor Britt. All right, let's move into some midseason awards from the unofficial Bengals podcast. As far as offensive MVP, do I have to say it out loud? We all know who the MVP is. We all know the guy that if he wasn't playing, we might not win a game. And that's Joe Burrow. He struggled the first week. I mean, he was getting assaulted. He didn't have a a lighted-up game against the Cowboys either. He was getting assaulted there. But you see, the late-game heroics, all the intangibles that I talk about with his leadership, all the things about his passing that I talk about all the time, you know, throwing into narrow windows, getting rid of the ball quick, reading defenses, throwing catchable balls, placing the ball perfectly so you're not putting your receivers in danger and you're giving them a chance to do something. Like, making these passes into really small windows. Yeah, just hitting an open receiver is one thing. But hitting him in the perfect spot is another, and Joe Burrow just seems to do that all over the field. So with, without further ado, I'm not going to go on another Joe Burrow rant because I kind of do that every episode, but there's our offensive MVP. And the runner-up would be Jamar Chase. Although he's missed a couple games, you could see that it's a different offense without him. He is just that magic player that whenever you need a big play, whenever you have to lean on someone or... You're, you're driving at the end of the game and you need that crucial 11-yard catch contested. He's just the guy who does it. So despite missing a couple games, Jamar Chase is the runner-up for offensive MVP. I'm not looking at stats. I'm just looking at a player's value. Isn't that what an MVP is? The most important player. And if you look at our offense, the most important player is Joe Burrow and the second most important player is Jamar Chase. Defensive MVP, and it's not fair, I guess, that both of my... My MVP and my runner-up are both guys that are injured. Awuzie was our defensive MVP. I know out for the year, but if you take the body of work for the first few games, playing at a Pro Bowl level, playing at an All-Pro level, really, and just a total difference maker in there, you, you forget when you have such a shutdown 
low-key great corner, how easy the games are for you. And we're going to get a dose of it when he's not in there and we're facing some better receivers down the stretch. So Awuzie, defensive MVP for the first half of the year. And runner-up, DJ Reader, another one playing at a Pro Bowl, All-Pro level before he went down. Fortunately, we're going to get him back, but he was largely responsible for us shutting down the run games of a lot of teams early on before he got hurt. So yes, most important players. I mean, Logan Wilson gets honorable mention because I think he's having a stellar year as well. Von Bell is a utility knife that just does everything. Hendrickson, disruptive. Hubbard's having one of his best years. You know, I can go through the list of everybody, but if I had to list my most valuables up to this point, it's that shutdown corner in a Wouzier, and that's it's the absolute run stuffer, DJ Reader, in the middle. Coach of the year, I'm going to go with Troy Walters. And you can make a case for anybody. You can make a case for Coach Anarumo because of all the halftime adjustments and that whole thing of not letting up touchdowns in the second half and, you know, the defense being, you know, one of the best defenses point differential-wise in the league. So Coach Anarumo definitely gets honorable mention. But I'm going to go with Troy Walters because every receiver has flourished under him. Chase has excelled. I mean, he would have excelled under anybody, but Higgins, Boyd, whenever they put someone else in, they're performing. Irwin performs when he's in there. Trent Taylor performs when he's in there. You know, you go down the list, Stanley Morgan with the blocking. Mike Thomas, when he gets the opportunity. He's got all these guys ready to play all the time. I would say more than any other position group on this team. You know, Coach Pitcher might be an example too, but Joe Burrow doesn't really even need the coaching, let's be honest. So, I'm going to go with Troy Walters as being the coach of the year for the first half of the season. All right, so let's quickly go over the position groups and my grade for each position group for the first half of 2022. So quarterback, I'm giving it an A. If you want to debate me, that's fine. I know Joe had a rough first week, but if you look at the stats after that, they've been amazing, always putting us in a position to win. In my opinion, the best quarterback in the league, or if not, right there. So I don't care about the down games. I don't care about the early turnovers, whatever. For all the reasons that I always go over, the quarterback position for the Bengals gets an A. Running back, I'm going to give it a B. And you could almost say a B-, minus, but it's not really the fault of Joe Mixon. It's been rough blocking and rough blocking schemes in front of him. So he really hasn't had too many breakout games, except for this past week, obviously, with, with the five touchdowns. But I still think he's performing well. He's blocking well. He's catching the ball out of the backfield. He's maintaining positivity. He's a leader. He's an explosive back, a top five back in the NFL. He just hasn't had the holes to run through. That's not his fault. Samaj P. Ryan, I think, has been playing excellently. Whenever called upon, runs through a brick wall, catches the ball when needed, gets those first downs when needed, selfless in the blocking game. So with that said, I'm going to give this position a B. And Chris Evans, the most underutilized Bengal, as we all know. So the Running backs for the Bengals get a B for the first half. Wide receivers, A. I don't care if Jamar Chase doesn't have the monopoly numbers of last year. Every team is game planning for him. He's still a game breaker. He still wins games. He still does everything needed. I think he's another top three wide receiver in the league. So we have all these top players, Burrow, Mixon, Chase. That's a trio of guys that are all right near the top of their positional groups. So Chase contributes to that A for the wide receivers. Higgins is just dominant, picking up where he left off. Tons of first downs, big catches, high-pointing the ball, just the whole thing. Tyler Boyd had a really big game, but just on a game-to-game basis, makes big catches, gets first downs, good blocking. So And, you know, the role players have all functioned, as I talked about earlier, when, when called upon. 
and special teams for Stanley Morgan. So wide receiver group for the Bengals, A. Tight end, I'm going to give a B to. Hayden Hurst has been more than expected. Excellent addition to this team. Glad to have him. Way better than C.J. Uzama. Just, I mean, I wanted to get Mike Gesicki, although that wasn't possible because of the franchise tag. But we're getting a guy that's in that ballpark, and that's that's really good to see. That gives that tight end group a B. Asi Asi is blocking amazingly. Wilcox is blocking pretty well as well. So you have your two blocking tight ends that are doing the job, and you have your pass-catching tight end, which is really giving Joe Burrow a target in the middle of the field when needed. So tight ends, they get a B. Offensive line, all right, don't get mad at me. I, I have to. I can't just sugarcoat everything and everyone gets A's and B's. I can't. Offensive line, and if you guys are listening, you get my apologies. You know how much I'm pulling for you guys. F. Kappa, Karras, playing dominantly. Jonah, I don't know what's going on. Volson improving. Lyle Collins, getting better and better each week. But I just can't look at the hits on Joe Burrow and the sacks on Joe Burrow and those first two games giving away with bad play. I can't give him any higher than that right now. So it's an F, and hopefully with the rate they're going now, there'll be a C or a B by the end of the year. Hey, you go to the Super Bowl and keep him clean, and we win it. You got an A coming here. Defensive line, I'm going to give an A- minus two because the sack numbers haven't been up. But I think Hendrickson has been very disruptive. I think Hubbard is having his best year ever. Reader, dominant went in there. Tupo, excellent went in there. You know, Zach Carter, Sample, all the guys, the role players, are, are doing the job when they're in there. The, the run defense has been excellent. We're not getting lit up by anybody point-wise except the one game against the Browns. So the defensive line gives me confidence. And it's nice to know you can stop the run. When you can't stop the run, it's just like a, a boulder coming downhill at you that you're just going to get trucked over by. And this defense just stands up to the run game after game after game. Chubb nicked us up a little bit, but aside from that, we've been pretty solid against a lot of good backs. Again, the Hendrickson numbers haven't been where we thought they would be, but it doesn't matter. It's it's a matter of being disruptive and, and winning on every play. And despite him not having those numbers... You can see on a play-by-play basis, he's winning and, and doing his job and containing and forcing pressures and bad passes. And, you know, it's, it's again, it's not just about the stats. We all like to see sacks and interceptions and touchdowns. And sometimes those numbers are inflated. Some, sometimes guys have a big game and those numbers are, are bigger than they really are. It's really a matter of the eye test and watching all these games closely and watching every snap. And you can see who's playing well and who's disruptive and who's not. So Hendrickson is right there. Linebackers, I give an A- to. I think Logan Wilson is having a great year. I think Pratt is having a great year. And the backups, you know, they're they're functioning when they need to. I think Bailey is really good when he comes in, both on the base defense and on special teams. Akeem Davis-Gaither has a lot of production. A lot of, He's got the interception. He's got a bunch of tackles. I want to see his game step up a little bit. I thought he was going to take a bigger step forward, but not playing horribly. So with with all that said, the group as a whole, I'm going to give an A- to. Defensive backs, it's another A-. So Wuzie was on the top of the league before he got hurt. Apple's having a good year. You know, we like to highlight when Eli Apple gets burned, but all the corners get burned at some point. And I think he's having a very good year. And Bates... Everyone's down on him, too, because you're not seeing these huge numbers. But you're forgetting there's so many plays that he's the last line of defense and prevents a touchdown or big things from happening. You know, those don't make it to the stat sheet. 
but I still think Bates is having a good season. Von Bell is having an excellent season. And then you go to Mike Hilton, injured right now, but having a pretty good year. Jalen Davis was excellent in his place. Flowers was doing the job till he got hurt. Taylor Britt, we're going to see what we have there. Like we talked about, Dax Hill, not that much action. So there's the secondary. If you look at the performances, they haven't gotten torched by, by good wide receiver play yet. So you got to respect that. And I will give the defensive backs, which include the safety play, an A-. Special teams is going to be a C-plus, unfortunately. You know, just the misses by McPherson, and I'm not down on him. I really think a lot of it is the snapping. And, you know, sometimes with that magical rookie year, we just think he's never going to miss anything. But he's still the guy that I would trust from anywhere on the field to win a game for the Bengals in any capacity. A big game, a small game, the Super Bowl, a preseason game, whatever it is. I'm riding with Evan McPherson. But the other reasons for the C-plus is we have great coverage and great gunners on punts, and we have great coverage on kick returns. But we've let up a couple, more than usual this year. So with that said, you know I don't know what contributed to it. Uh, not having Stanley Morgan in there definitely contributed to one of the long returns. But it just hasn't been the shutdown of a coverage team that we're used to there. So that brings the grade down a little bit. Adam Midas has been solid. No unplayable snaps subbing in for Clark Harris, but a couple high snaps, and I I contribute at least one, possibly two, of McPherson's misses to high snaps or slightly off snaps by Adamitis. But again, rookie, he's played nine games in his career. I would have to say overall more of a plus than a minus. And then you move on to Kevin Huber, who's, who's struggling a little bit with leg strength and hang time and distance. A few low punts, a few semi shanked punts. You know, still putting up his inside the 20s and some good punts, but not as consistent as normal. And that's to be understood with him playing over 200 games in over a decade. Father Time's going to catch you. You can't be a great player forever. And, you know, I was hoping we'd get one this last good year out of him and go and win a Super Bowl and he rides off on the white horse. I don't know if they're going to pop in Chrisman if he continues to struggle. I know that's talk over the bye week. So anyway, all of those factors, it's been a less than perfect special teams effort by the Bengals this year. So unfortunately, that squad gets a C plus. And I, I'm not worried about it. McPherson is still going to light it up. They're going to figure out what's going on at Punter. I trust our gunners. I trust our coverage. And with Brandon Wilson coming back, hopefully we have a couple big returns. So all that said, let's see that special teams grade move up to the A range and contribute to a successful postseason. All right, so it's Steelers week, and we're not going to go over a big, long preview. There's so much going on in this episode. I just wanted to touch on it real quickly. The Steelers are 24th in offense. They're 29 rushing, 26 passing, so they're struggling offensively. You see it on the on the scoreboard. You know, they put up 20 points this week, but they've been averaging around 15 points a game. So that's not the kind of potent offense that's going to take you to the promised land. So nice to see them struggling. I don't mind. Pickett's still not totally getting used to the game. He's dangerous with his legs. He has some good throws here and there, but I'm glad that the light hasn't quite come on for him as fast as it did with Joe Burrow. With Joe Burrow, in the first few games, you knew you had a stud quarterback. And with Pickett, you know, here we are. I don't know. He started six games or so and hasn't lit it up yet. And he has the receivers. The offensive line is a question with these guys, but he's got the receivers, the tight end, and the running back, but not lighting it up, and I'll take it. Defensively, they're 13th. They're 9th against the rush. They're 29th against the pass. So, you know, not a team that you're going to run on, as always. And you would think that we're going to go in there and just pass lights out on these guys. 
But with that pass rush, it's not as easy as you think. You can exploit that secondary, but if you don't have time to throw, you're not going to be able to exploit that secondary like we saw in Game 1. And special teams a shock, but special teams, the Steelers are number one in the NFL right now. So that's the silent killer. You know, there's a lot of hidden yardage that could be gained there. I think the punter, Harvin, is, is punting excellently. I know Boswell's out, but the replacement, you know, went in there last week, kicked a couple field goals, so we'll see. But, yeah, if you're looking at the strongest unit on Pittsburgh right now, aside from that front four on the defensive line, you're going to have to go special teams. So offensively, you know, we're going to see what Pickett does this game. I'm, I'm really confident going against him. I think that we're going to rattle him. I think in the second half with the adjustments, we're really going to rattle him. And I think Pickens is starting to come into his own, so he's something to worry about. Deontay Johnson, obviously. They got rid of Claypool, and they have Steven Sims in there, who's playing slot and returner, but not really lighting it up at either. Miles Boykin gets some time. Olszewski is the returner. He gets some time as well. Najee had a 99-yard game last week, so he's on a high. Jalen Warren, he has the second most touches on the team, so they're really involving him more and more, and he's been pretty successful. Fryermuth is a dangerous weapon. Offensive line, they're all kind of playing middle of the road. You know, Dan Moore, Kevin Dotson, Mason Cole, looking like James Daniels is playing the best out of all of them. Okorafor is a little bit questionable against Sam Hubbard. So I would say right guard is their strength, and there's some weaknesses there, and it's been showing and not letting Pickett get off the ground like they want to. Defensively, they're dealing with some injuries. Witherspoon is out, so Levi Wallace is getting some more time. He had an interception last week, but he's struggling. Cam Sutton, who I consider more of a three-corner, has become like their one-corner. A lot of vulnerability there. Arthur Millette hasn't had a stellar year as well. Tyler Boyd should be beaten up on him. Edmonds doing decently at safety. Minka's got the Joe Burrow appendix injury, so he's not going to play this game. KZ had an interception last week, but he's certainly not a Minka Fitzpatrick, so that's good to have him not in the lineup. And then you move on to that defensive line. Highsmith really gave Jonah problems last game. Hayward gives everyone problems, still has something left in the tank. Montrevious Adams in the middle, take or leave. Ogunjobi not having the year that I thought. And TJ Watt is back. He didn't totally light it up week one, but you know he's going to be coming for Joe Burrow week two, and they're going to try to match him up with Jonah when they can, even though that's not his natural side. So despite him being slightly injured, he's the biggest thing to worry about. And he got injured trying to tackle Burrow, so he's probably going to want to tag Joe Burrow when he gets a chance. And, you know, they've had their scraps over the years too. Linebackers, Spillane, middle of the road. Miles Jack, I thought he was going to have a better year than he is, but, you know, those are the guys patrolling the middle. And that's the breakdown on Pittsburgh. They have talent, but they have vulnerabilities. There were three and six teams, so they're not lighting it up. They can't go score for score with people. So this game is going to come down to, can you keep Joe Burrow clean and not let this defensive line wreck the game? And it's not probably going to be a mix-in game. It's going to be utilizing Joe Burrow properly and using your protection schemes properly, rolling out the pocket, double teaming, having an H-back and a running back into block, quick throws, screens, all of those things. Unfortunately, I, I say it a lot, but it is true. It's not going to be Joe Burrow, you know, seven-step drops and heaving the ball 60 yards downfield. It's just not the game for it. But it's still a winnable game, and we can still make a lot of hay in the passing game. But we have to scheme it up properly. We have to execute properly, and we have to block their star players, and there's a lot of star players up front for that Steelers team. Prediction, 24-16 Bengals. Steelers can only punch the ball in the end zone one time. 
Bengals score three touchdowns, a field goal. We really run away with it in the second half. We go to six and four. The Steelers go to three and seven. Their fans check out for the season, and our fans check in to worry about buying our playoff tickets. AFC North standings. The Cincinnati Bengals are in second place in the AFC North with a 5-4 and four record. They trail the first place Ravens at 6-3, and three, and they lead the last place Browns at 3-6 and six, and the last place Steelers at 3-6. and six. The Bengals are currently the ninth seed in the AFC. Welcome to the unofficial Bengals podcast 2022 midseason review featuring Tom McLevy and Justin Lacey. All right, we're here with the 2022 midseason roundtable with my two favorite guests of all time. I'd like to welcome Tom McLevy. Tom, how are you today? Good, good, Frank. How you guys doing? All right, my friend. And I'd also like to welcome in Justin Lacey. Justin, how are you today? Feeling great, Frank. You know, it's the bye week. Almost is over. Ready for more Bengals football. Yeah, I would say the bye week is probably the least fun week for us Bengal fans. But here we are. It's Steelers week. We're about to head into the second half of the year, and there's a lot to talk about. So with that said, let's get started. And I was hoping to get your commentary on the first half of the 2022 season. So let's start with you, Tom. What words do you have about the first half, any capacity, anything, front office, team, roster? What are you thinking at this point in the year? Well, you know, you couldn't ask for a better scenario to go into a bye than what came off the uh, Carolina game. They dominated. They looked like the team we expected. Apparently, the the numbers compared to last year, the this year at this point, are eerily similar. Same record, same passing yards, same rushing yards. We have a few more injuries to deal with, but, you know, that's football. But, you know, going into the second half of the year, uh, I'm optimistic that we can put it together. And uh, the way all the other teams are falling apart, we look good going into the second half now. Without a doubt, Tom, and I like your optimism. And, yes, we are riding into the bye week on a high And we're seeing some flaws around the AFC. Obviously, the injury to Josh Allen is kind of a big one for everybody. So, um, yeah, yeah, I I definitely like the way you're thinking. Justin, what about your commentary on the first half of the season so far? Well, this team has played below my expectations, and that's because I had higher expectations for them coming into this year. Uh, Based on the offseason that they had, the acquisitions that they made through the draft, through free agency, I've had bullet points for this team to show me that they're ready to take this to the next level. And number one, it was for me, it was starting by you have to beat the Dallas Cowboys on the road week two. And my personal reason for that was you have to show them that their big brand is not going to phase you. You know, the Cowboys are a better team than I anticipated this year, but nonetheless, you still should have been able to go into Jerry World and beat them. My next thing was you had to beat the Cleveland Browns. And unfortunately, that Monday night debacle just showed me that they still haven't figured out that Browns Rubik's Cube, which is pathetic, honestly, because every other team seems to know how to neutralize their best players and just wipe the floor with them. This was a wounded Browns team that you just sort of let walk all over you. 
Now, I get it. They have great pieces on some on both sides of the ball, so I'm not going to totally diminish the Browns. But nonetheless, you should have beaten them. And then finally, you had to win a primetime game, more specifically for me on Sunday Night Football. And the best opportunity to do that was against the Baltimore Ravens. And that didn't happen, although it was a good fight. But I'm saying all that is while the Bengals reach below my personal expectations, I still love the fight that I see from this ball club. And it just shows that they know how to respond really, really well. Um, You know, coming off of that disappointing loss to the Browns, they come right back the next week and put on a clinic, and I mean an absolute clinic, of an offensive showing against the Carolina Panthers at home. Same thing happened against the Atlanta Falcons, too. It was just incredible to see what that team was able to muster up on offense. Joe Burrow had one of his best outings so far in the season. So I am really optimistic about the second half of the season in spite of the gauntlet of the schedule upcoming. But they should be they should have been in a better position than what I had had them prior to the season. Wow, you know, and Justin, you're always very optimistic about the team. And, and obviously in what you said, you, you still continue to be that way. But for you to point out those three things, I mean, you know, that's like when when you have someone in your life that you don't want to disappoint and you and you disappoint them and it's really awkward. And that's exactly what the Bengals did with you, I gather, because you are right. That Dallas game should have been a win, you know, just on paper. And I know Dallas is better than we thought. And, you know, that turned into a big disappointment, losing the game at the end there, not being able to get past the Browns, which have been a stumbling block. That's also a big one. And that Sunday night game against the Ravens, I mean, you're bringing up the exact pain points that all the Bengal fans out there have to be feeling. And three games that if just one of them went the opposite way, we'd be in a much better place. But, you know, here we are where we are, and uh, I guess we're going to move forward. So, But, but Frank, real quick, you look at other than the Browns loss, the three losses were Baltimore by two, Dallas by three, and Pittsburgh by three. What's that? Uh, three, six, eight points for three losses. So, you know, I'll, I'll take that. Other than the uh, Browns game, they were in all the games that they could have easily have won. No, I, I agree with you on that, Tom, and you're right. The, the losses were all kind of heartbreakers that could have went either way. So, yeah, I mean, you're both on. And, and again, we're getting a, a kind of a reversal here. We usually have the motivational Justin Lacey who's a little upset, and we usually have Tom, who's yeah. not afraid to cut on the team, who's who's thinking positively. So I, yeah. I, I don't mind that. It's We're mixing it up a little bit here on this roundtable edition. All right, so with that said, let's go over the remaining schedule. And, you know, we, we always hate to play the win-loss-loss-win game, but, you know, now that we have a better idea what these teams are about, we can look at the games and talk about them in a more educated manner than just in the beginning of the year before we've seen anyone take a snap. So with that said, we've we've seen these teams. We know what's going on with them. Let's just quickly run down the games and just get our feelings on if we're going to win them. You know, we don't have to be married to what we're saying here, but let's at least take a look at what's upcoming. So first off, we have at Steelers. So, Justin, how do you feel that that game bodes for us? Notice I didn't bring up week one at when the Pittsburgh Steelers came. Week one. And... The reason why I didn't bring them up is because we know that that game was actually a W 
for the Bengals if they would have just simply just got the extra point down. But that doesn't excuse the fact that they had turned the ball over five times. But that just showed the resilience of the team that even when that did happen, they can still come back and win the game and drive a dagger through this heart. But also with that being said, I do expect this Bengals team to stop losing in the division. They're 0-3 in the division. They know that for a fact they cannot go 0-4, even if it's at Pittsburgh. Um, Tom, I'm actually going to tap you on the shoulder because prior to the season, we did a roundtable episode of the rundown with the AFC North. And I was a little bit higher on the Steelers than a lot of others. But I should not have been. This team is not good. And they have T.J. Watt back that's going to revitalize that defense. And I think the world of T.J. Watt, if you ask me, he is the best defensive player between him and Miles Garrett. I'm taking T.J. Watt all day, every day over Miles Garrett. Yeah. Um, probably others as well, too. But that doesn't change the fact that the Bengals have the biggest horse in this team, in this race. And they should be able to walk into Akershire Stadium in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and tell them what you did to us week one was a fluke, and we're going to beat you. I'd like to hear that. Tom, what are your thoughts on that game? Well, it's a, uh, even though we were flexed to uh, back to 4 o'clock, because that was supposed to be a nationally televised game, we are going to wear the white uniforms, though, with the white helmets. You know that brings out a special significance for the team. But I agree with Justin. You know, even though T.J. Watt, and he is the best defensive player in the league, will be playing, um, I just think that the Bengals are, like just like Justin said, are tired of uh, losing to their AFC rivals. I think, like like I said, that, that game against Carolina, I think, went into the bye on a high this team and I think they're going to really show the second half that they're for real so uh, yeah I, I agree I think it might be tight in the beginning as always but then they'll, they'll just pull away yeah I'm hoping the same thing guys I mean if you look at Pittsburgh right now yes TJ Watt is coming back and he's going to be trouble if he does what he did last game hopefully we're going to watch the tape on that and scheme it up a little bit better so he can't just totally assault Joe Burrow but the Pittsburgh Steelers are having a really tough time scoring. I know they scored like 20 points this week, but they've been below that pretty much every other game this year. So, I mean, this is a game that really should go in our favor. You just never know going into Pittsburgh, divisional game, anything can happen. But, yeah, I'd like to think that Cincinnati pulls this one out, goes to 6-4, and four and, and starts you know really looking towards the playoffs. What do you guys think about at Titans? Another team that I feel like that has continuously just performed well under the radar that nobody's talking about. And obviously, they made the change at quarterback from Ryan Tannehill to Malik Willis, although I do believe Ryan Tannehill is actually coming back and starting for that team again. But this team doesn't have any wide receivers. They're so heavily reliant on Derrick Henry, and this nothing's changed. I still believe that they do have a ferocious front four as well, too. But this is a game that I 100% still believe that the Bengals will walk into Tennessee and then still pull out that victory to set them up for an even bigger showdown in a AFC championship game rematch at home against Kansas City. Yeah, they're a team, again, just like Justin said, relying on the run. Hopefully uh, we can do a better job in the second half of stopping the run because that's what Tennessee does strongly. And like Tannehill comes back, but I I suspect if he falters, any bit this coming week that they won't hesitate to make the change to the the young kid. So, yeah, I mean, 
mean, it's. Uh, I think it, it, it. You stop Henry, you can win the game. So that's the bottom line with that game. Agreed, and I think if DJ Reader comes back, that's going to really help for that game against Derrick Henry. Um, as you guys know, I'm not a big fan of Tannehill, and they, as Justin said, they do not have any kind of wide receiver and elite passing games. So that bodes well in our favor, but I still think it's going to be one of those grind games. A, it's at Tennessee. B, they're low-key good on both sides of the ball, especially on the on the lines. You know, they, they're, they're pretty good in the trenches, so that could cause a problem for us. And they have that revenge factor because we totally humiliated them and ended their season last year. So they have a lot behind them emotionally to play for this game. I just think it's going to be, it's not going to be Cincinnati running away with it. I think it's going to be a dogfight, and Joe Burrow's going to kind of lead us to a winning field goal at the end. I mean, anything can happen, but it kind of feels like one of those grind games, especially on the road. What about the Chiefs? Justin Lacey at home against the Chiefs. What's going on? So, prior to the season, and also prior to this midseason, I said that there are three marquee games in this back half of the schedule that I feel like the Bengals are going to win at least two out of the three. Kansas City is one, Buffalo is the other, and the Buccaneers. Okay, those are the three marquee games that I pointed out. Now you're at this crossroads of this Kansas City Chiefs team. Here's what I will say out of respect for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Now, they're on a bit of a hot streak right now, and I believe that I do not see that team losing up until that meeting. Well... I'm going to allow that streak to continue for them just because I just don't know if our defense is ready to adjust to their firepower of the offense. And Patrick Mahomes, he's doing pretty well without Tyreek Hill. He never really, I mean, he needed him. He liked him to have him, but he's doing really well with Travis Kelsey and others. And they're just not missing a beat on offense. Now, even though it is at home, I still also think that there is that, factor that I believe that the Bengals do just have like this weird kryptonite over the Chiefs based off of what happened last year twice but I do think that the Chiefs and Andy Reid more specifically is really good at getting his lick back against a team that has beat him a year prior so I'll give that win to the Chiefs for now but I think it's going to show up an even bigger showdown in the playoffs when these two teams potentially match up again this is a, a toss-up to me. Um, it's since it's at Cincinnati, I think uh, I do feel confident with this uh, game. I think Mahomes misses Tyree Kill, and I just think that that weapon will be you know a one less weapon against Cincinnati. A big this is a big time game. You know, it's seeing that it's in Cincinnati. I could see. Bengals winning this game like you know Justin's used kryptonite I think it could be that thing the Bengals have over Kansas City Bengals need a a win an AFC win although they do have like some other big games with Buffalo and Baltimore coming up yeah I'm going to say win I'm going to say win because I think they're going to the Bengals are going to win out big time and get on that roll. You know, this is all due to last year's success. I'm sorry. I'm going on. We've never had this before. So uh, I'm going to say win. I'm hoping that you're right on that, Tom. You know, it worries me against those guys because it is hard to beat a good team repeatedly. And they're another team that is probably seeking some revenge against us. So they're going to be extra hopped up for this game. 
and with the problems that we're having with injuries at corner, that could present a problem with that stable of wide receivers that Mahomes has behind him. I'd never like to predict a Bengals loss, but I mean, if I had to predict one, this this could be it. We'll see what happens. Either way, both teams are going to score in the 30s, and if we win this game, we are truly kryptonite for the Chiefs, and that it's really going to set them back. So there's a lot at stake for this game. Um, let's move on to the next. Let's actually take the next three games as just a chunk, and, and we'll just go over all three of them quickly. So, Justin, home against the Browns, at Buccaneers, at Patriots. How do you think we're going to fare over that stretch? This is where I believe the Bengals will go on a run, and it does need to start at home against the Browns. You have to beat Cleveland. You cannot keep letting that team get your number when they're not as good as what everybody keeps no, well, I don't think anybody thinks that the Browns are good. You just can't continue to let their best players just wreak havoc on you. And I'm more or less mainly talking about Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward. You just can't keep letting that happen. And I know they're going to have Deshaun Watson back, but that man hasn't played in over two years, and he's got a lot of things going on. And I just feel like that this next three-game stretch is critical to the Bengals' playoff chances. And I really think that they're going to probably win all three of those games. If not, if they ultimately lose out against the Chiefs, which, out of respect for Kansas City, I think that the Kansas City might get us back one, and that might be due for a little bit of a letdown, but I think that might be a good game. But the next three games, home against the Browns, that needs to be a win. It has to be a win. On the road at Tampa Bay, that is going to be one of the best games of the year, in my opinion. Brady versus Burrow is going to be electrifying. The vibrato of both names just being on the same field. And I've always wanted to see this matchup, and I do believe that the Bengals will carry. The, it will be like a passing of the torch. But while everybody thinks that Mahomes and Allen are the passing of the torch for Brady, no, it's actually Burrow. That's the passing of the torch for being the next Brady. So I think that happens here. And then at New England, that's going to be a tough out. New England and the Patriots, uh, Belichick and the Patriots, I should say, is no easy task. No matter who's playing quarterback there, no matter who's on that team there, they're going to figure out a way to slow you down. And it's in Foxborough. It might be cold, windy, and snowy. You know, don't like our chances on the road in that type of environment. But at the end of the day, I do believe that the Bengals will send in an absolute message and win that game. So I'm going to go 3-0 and in that stretch. I, you know what? I'm feeling the same way. I'm feeling like that's when we can get hot, and I love the reference that you made about Brady passing the torch to Burrow because, yes, Allen and Mahomes have all the talent in the world, but so does Joe Burrow, and Joe Burrow has that Tom Brady fire, I would say even more so than Mahomes and Allen. Tom, what are your thoughts on this stretch? Home against the Browns, at Bucks, at Patriots. They can't win them all this second half. I'm going to narrow it down to they got to win the AFC game. So I'm gonna say, I think they, I think they stubbed their toe against Tampa Bay. I think Tom Brady sees something like here, here's the, the the young me coming into my stadium. I'm not gonna give it up just yet. So uh, I, if they are gonna stumble, let it be against Tampa Bay because it's an a- NFC team um, because they need the AFC wins to be uh, in the playoffs. I'm going to give them one stub. Uh, even though at at New England is a tough game, you can't count Belichick out. Okay, fair enough. And with that said, through these six games, if, if we just take 
each one of your worst case scenarios, we're probably looking at four and two. I mean, are we dreaming? We could be dreaming, but I'm hoping that it's four and two, three and three minimum. But let's just assume that it is four and two. And now we're nine and six heading into the last two weeks. Justin, home against the Bills, nine and six, everything on the line. What What's going to happen over there? Biggest win of the year. If I... I predicted that the Bengals were going to win two out of the three, either against Tampa, Kansas City, and Buffalo. No matter which two, they're going to win two out of those three. I just fully believe that they are one of the best teams in the NFL matched up against those three teams. And if I had them losing to Tampa Bay and beating – I'm sorry, beating Tampa Bay and losing to Kansas City – I think that that set up an emotional bigger victory against Buffalo here Monday night at home. Josh Allen and the Bills, they're playing well, but they have a little bit of crack in the armor. So I do believe that the Bengals can actually make it happen and pull off the big win against the Bills. That also might be the Bills' next loss, honestly. And then as far as the showdown in the AFC North for Week 18 against Baltimore, do not be surprised if that game actually gets flexed for prime time as a for the AFC North crown. It's tough, man, because as much as I am not sold on Baltimore as a team overall, I got to respect their easy schedule. And Lamar Jackson is playing decently well. And I want to put him in the front runner of MVP conversations, but he is doing a hell of a lot with hardly anything to work with. They have injuries all over the place, but their defense is just very, very, very elite right now. At least they're playing like it. Roquan Smith, that was a big move for them. But it is also at home. And I also believe that the Bengals will make a statement, well, too, and then just pull out the victory. Whether that leads to a divisional crown or not, I still believe that the Bengals will really win out and go into the playoffs just looking one of like the hottest team that you just don't want to play. I'll tell you, Justin, if it goes that way and we do win both of those games, there's no stopping us in the playoffs at that point because that's beating two of the best teams in the AFC. Tom, what are your thoughts on on this very difficult stretch of the season? Home against the Bills, home against the Ravens. Um, Both, you know, winnable games. I'd rather beat the Ravens if I had to split just the fact of winning that last game an AFC North of, uh, division opponent but like Justin said I I think Buffalo's doable also because of uh, Allen is injured I, I truly feel that and uh, I think each week as it gets colder it's going to be worse off for him you know, I, I don't know how many times the needle will work in his elbow but uh you know, they're both at home, so that's, you know, that's good. And like Justin said, that, that Raven game will be flexed because it's going to be for the division. You know, also that, you know, the, although the week off is good for the playoffs, I don't like it. I'd rather keep playing. So I'm up in the air I'm winning both of them and getting that bye for the playoffs. I'm just uh, uh, an advocate of, like, the, the more momentum you got going to keep playing, don't get that week off. So, you know, I'm a homer. Uh, I'm going to say win both. So, I want to kind of uh, to piggyback a little bit off of that. I'll, let me preface by saying this. The Bengals do not need to fear any single team in the back half of the schedule. They have a great chance of going 8-0 
down the stretch to win every single rest of these games. However, they need to show that they can do it. And I'm also realistic that, as what we saw during the first half of the season, that any team can pull themselves up by their bootstraps and beat us, too, at any given moment. Whether if that's at New England, whether if that's at Tennessee, or whether if it's at Pittsburgh coming off of this bye. The yeah. Bengals need to just show that they can actually just show that they're not scared of anybody. And I don't believe that they go, they're scared of anybody. They have one of the premier young quarterbacks in this league. And if you ask me, he's top three along with Allen and Mahomes. But here's the key. They cannot lose any more division games. They have three remaining. Yes, two are at home and one is on the road. If they lose that game out at Pittsburgh this upcoming week, you can probably like write it in that all bets are sort of off at this point because an 0-4 hole in the AFC North is pretty tough to climb out of, and it just diminishes all momentum. You got swept by this terrible Steelers team, again, with regardless if they have T.J. Watt or not. This is not a very good Steelers football team. They're just not. And you cannot go 0-4 and get swept by this Pittsburgh team, especially a team that you are in you coming off of the Super Bowl. So you cannot lose any more AFC North games. And again... When it comes to the three powerhouses that I feel like, you got Kansas City, Buffalo, and Tampa Bay, three premier quarterbacks. In my eyes, I just feel like they, if you win two out of those three games, that sets you up so well for success that, to be honest, I didn't even care what happened in the first half of the season. All will be forgiven if you just sweep the rest of the AFC North and win two out of the three games against those powerhouse quarterbacks. That's the formula. And, you know, judging by what we what we just said during this segment, we're looking at, I mean, if everything doesn't go the way we want, we're looking at maybe nine wins. And if things go the way we want, we're looking at 11 wins, maybe 12 wins. So based on what we're thinking, based on what you guys have eloquently put, it looks like we're going to be a playoff team. And, you know, once you're in the dance, when you have guys that perform in the clutch, like Burrow and Chase and Hendrickson and, and those type of guys, anything can happen. And we saw that last year. So I'm going to just put the unofficial Bengals podcast stamp on it and say we're going to the playoffs. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to another topic. Let's let's talk about some random things. So what has been your most pleasant surprise of this season? It could be anything, a player, a game, front office, just in any aspect. Tom, what's the most pleasant surprise of the 2022 season up to this point? I think the continuance of the defense – I think that, you know, there's not really a real, like, name stealer out of there, you know, like T.J. Watt or, you know, Gary. You're just like, they continued this unit as, like, as a whole, and they, you know, continued to play tough. You know, even though, you know, we went into the bye after the, you know, the Cheeto injury, uh, you know, hurt us. I'll take that, and I've been surprised by how well they've been performing this year, too. I mean, aside from the Browns game, they've been pretty much keeping everybody in check, win or lose. Justin, what what's your biggest surprise of the season so far? Well, I've actually been really impressed with the defense, too, and even if you did include that Browns game, I understand it kind of got out of hand late. They still played admirably well. They they turned the ball over twice, and the, they committed two turnovers, I should say, in the first half of that game, including, you know, rocking the living daylights out of Jacoby Brissett for a sack fumble that should have honestly counted as an interception. And then Von Bell continuously make hay on defense as well, too, and got an interception as well in that game. So even when that, the game did go out of control, I still just believe that the defense was still just remarkable. It was just the offense didn't put them in great positions at all. And it was 
that's just what that is. But I'm actually going to go on the offensive side of the ball for my pleasant surprise, and I'm going to say Cordell Volson. I'm very happy to see Cordell Volson succeed the way that he's doing as a fourth-round rookie in the NFL. We were ready to crucify the Bengals' front office for that Jackson Carmen pick. Well, guess what? That seems like an afterthought now because Cordell Volson is playing as well as he has been playing. Now, is he a Pro Bowl caliber level type guard? No. But you can see that he can potentially get there. And he stabilized the interior of the line with the guard center guard play. Him, Ted Karras, and Alex Kappa just are meatheads, glass eaters, as what Frank Park like to call. And it just really just rounds out the production of the offensive line. And you can just see it on film that, man, this is what we've needed in years past. Now, I get it. We also got some issues with the tackles right now. Jonah Williams and uh, Leo Collins are struggling a bit here and there. But I'm focused on a positive, and I really, really like what I'm seeing out of Cordell Bolson. And it just sort of just rights the wrong from what you had by whiffing on the second-round pick in Jackson Carmen. I love that take on that, Justin. And you're exactly right. You know, Volson is starting to come into his own and he's kind of washing away what could be a bust in Jackson Carmen. And what I noticed in Volson, you know, he was making some mental errors earlier in the season. He was having some leverage issues, being six seven, having guys get underneath him. But it seems like as every week goes by, he's getting better and better and, and definitely contributing towards that interior of the line. So I, I definitely like that as a selection of, of a pleasant surprise. My pleasant surprise, I'm going to go with Hayden Hurst. You know, we knew he was going to come in and be good, but I didn't know he was going to come in and be this good and this fiery and this reliable and high-pointing catches and making big third-down catches. So if I had to go with a surprise, I would go Hayden Hurst. And uh, I'm liking our whole list. The defense, Volson, and Hurst, definitely pleasant surprises. Let's move on to the highlights of the year. So, Justin, what would be your highlight of the year in any capacity up to this point? That's a great question. I'm going to have to go with the game at New Orleans. Jamar Chase's 60-yard catch and run for the touchdown to get to win the game. That 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 play alone just seals the deal for me. I mean, it was just a great way for Burrow to chase just to end the game and win it the way that they did. Coming back to New Orleans, this was a place that they won the College Football National Championship in 2019, and they come down here again. And there were so many Bengals fans in attendance in that game. And then for them to throw two touchdown passes, it, it, it just it just wrote the story in and of itself. So to me, that's the play of the year so far. Tom, what is your highlight of the season so far? Yeah, I'm I'm just gonna have to say the. the the Carolina game as a whole to give basically the starting unit the whole fourth quarter off. That was what we expected, and it came to, you know, fruition. So uh, I'm going to say that game. Totally true. That Carolina Panthers game was such a breakout game and exciting to see us just pound on another team. Even though they're kind of at the bottom of the league, it didn't matter. I guess my my second high point high point highlight of the year would probably be Joe Burrow's first half against Atlanta. Just all the the yards passing and it was just like Joe Burrow is has arrived again, you know, this is what we were used to last year. I think he had like 300 yards passing by the half and you know, ultimately almost had a 500-yard game. So aside from that great moment against the Saints, I would say Burrow's first half against the Falcons would be my would be my highlight. Okay, so we don't like to talk about this part, but what about 
lowlights? What has been the worst part of the season so far? And Tom, I'm going to start with you on this one. I'm going to say McPherson's kicking. You know, he. I I still have you know I still have faith when he when he runs out of the field, but you know he's been missing some extra points, some makeable field goals. So I you know I, I'm going to say that one. I'm going to say McPherson uh, sort of came down from the heavens a little bit from where we put him. Yeah, and that's the last thing I want to see. I, I, like, I always call him the Joe Burrow of kickers. And, you know, I don't know if it's the new snapper and I don't know what's going on. But, yeah, it has been a little bit alarming. I, I mean, I still believe. I would still trust him with a 57-yarder to win in Buffalo in, you know, week 17. But I, I agree that it has been a little bit alarming. Um, Justin, what, what's your low light of the year up to this point? Well, I do agree that McPherson's kicking has just been a little shaky lately. But obviously, I, I'm not going to go with McPherson uh, on my for my answer to duplicate Tom. So um, it would have been honestly the running game had the Carolina game not happened. Joe Mixon just had just a supreme outing against the Panthers defense, and I was very happy to see that he needed that. So I'm going to leave him off of it. I hope that's just not an outlier performance and he just starts struggling the rest of the way. So, but for this sake, I'm going to leave him alone. And then instead, focus on what I said in the previous question about the high points of bringing in Cordell Bolson. Well, the low points are the tackles on this team. Jonah Williams, while I feel like that he's not a horrible tackle at all, he has just not lived up to the first-round stalwart left tackle pedigree that we thought he could just to bring stability. He was not the worst offensive tackle last year. He was actually the, either the fourth or the best tackle that we've had or the best lineman last year. To see him really go to the either the first or second worst on the line this year has been pretty pathetic in my eyes, and it's, it's really tough. He hasn't shown the ability to slow down these elite pass rushers, and that's just very frustrating to see. Miles Garrett had a day on him on Monday night. T.J. Watt had a day on both tackles, and Micah Parsons even knifed his way through for a couple of hits on Joe Burrow in a sack, if I'm not mistaken. Coming either through Jonah Williams and Cordell Bolson while he was still figuring things out, but Jonah Williams thinking that he's a veteran in this league at this point in time in his career should be able to anchor that left side down and be great at it. And it just is not working out. And I don't know what it is. Um, I, I like to see. I like to continue to have faith and hope in there, but I'm just not very optimistic that he can do it. And as far as Leo Collins go, he's another tackle that I really am looking at as a low light for this year. We were so excited when the Bengals was on Lyle Collins' watch after he was released from Dallas, only to find out that he was not going to be the free agent signing that we lived that we thought he was going to live up to. And quite frankly, that's our fault as fans for setting those high expectations and hopes on him. We really wanted him because he was a big name, and we needed to solidify that right tackle position. He was either that or go back to the well of, you know, the Isaiah Princes of the world, which we don't need to do. Um, so they're not super low points. And this is actually a good problem based off of what we were coming off of in years past. But I still like to see vast improvement for those from those two. Yeah, I would agree that Jonah Williams, unfortunately, has been the biggest disappointment of the year. Yeah, I'm just shocked that the light just really hasn't come on. He has flashes, but overall, I mean, he's proven to be a liability. Um, as far as my low light, I would, I'm would i going to say it's 
Lyle Collins versus Micah Parsons, and you and you touched on it, Justin. I would say in week two, you know, Lyle Collins comes in. You're right, Justin, as well. Our, us as fans had really high expectations. You know, he's coming in and saying Joe Joe Burrow's bodyguard has arrived, and you know, it's almost like I, I make this reference a lot, but it's almost like you know the toughest guy you know. You bring him down to the schoolyard to defend yourself against the bullies and then he gets beat up so it almost is like oh my god there's no hope anywhere in this and that's what it felt like there it felt like we had this blue chip right tackle and he just got eaten alive by Micah Parsons in that game and and Parsons single-handedly wrecked that game and really put a damper on on our on our confidence in this offensive line so that would be the low light is that specific game watching our bully get bullied by another bully so definitely Anyway, with that said, let's move on to the last point, and that would be the AFC rivals. So we touched on them all when we went over the schedule, but upcoming, how how's the AFC going to shake out? I mean, there's some good teams. You, you know, you're always going to be battling Mahomes and Allen and Lamar Jackson, and the Titans are always good, and you, you just never know who who else is going to come out of the woodwork and be a good team. Is is Herbert going to get hot? You know, there's so many there's so many pitfalls in the AFC. Tom, how's it how's it all going to shake out once once we're looking back in January? What what how are you feeling about all these dominant quarterbacks and, and tough teams that are in this in this conference? I think it uh, we'll be playing two of them, Kansas City and Baltimore, in the second half. So uh, and, and a sleeper, Miami. Uh, I think one of those three teams are going to stand up and be uh, the team to knock off the hill. But uh, Miami and Tua now playing again. I, I think you, you got to add uh, Miami into the mix too. I agree with you, and I did forget about them. How how's it going to pan out with all these teams? Who, who's going to end up on? T- I mean, we're going to assume the Bengals are going to end up on top. That's the way we think. That's what we want. You know, that's it's hard to get that out of our minds. But yeah, who's who's winning? The, who's going to the Super Bowl in the AFC? I you know, Frank. I, it's just too early. I, I think. I, listen. Our our show starts next this Sunday. I mean, we gotta like you say, put our fists on Pittsburgh and say you, you you're weaker than us, and we're gonna show you by the third quarter you're done. So I mean, to say oh you know uh, Kansas City's gonna be the AFC. Hey, one hit on Mahomes, they're done. So I mean, I I just think I, I'm gonna put four teams to look out for. Kansas City, Baltimore, us, and I even feel like Miami, I'll throw in there. But to say right now, is uh, it's impossible. I agree. And again, we're just speculating to make some good conversation. We're, we're, we're going to say Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> my, my question, though, Tom, what you didn't throw the Bills into that four-team mix. No. Was that on purpose because of the injury to Allen? I agree. I, I just think they, they come to Cincinnati to play. And I just think... and. Like you say, look what happened yesterday uh, with the Bills. They had you know a, a win handed to them. I think that just shows you know he, Joe Burrow has never mentioned with Josh Allen or Herbert. He's always forgotten you know off of that list. So you know, to one of them does what Joe Burrow did last year. I'm I'm saying yeah, we're all homers here. Joe Burrow or nothing, but 
you know, we expect the Bengals to be there. I just think it starts this Sunday with what team showed, what Bengal team shows us what comes out of the bye. And you know, historically, they have never come out of a bye looking good. So, I'm, you know, I'm going to say I buy with Joe Burrow. I love it. And Joe Burrow is my favorite thing to talk about. And, and I feel the same way. It's just like, what does he have to do to get the recognition of everybody? I guess go to the Super Bowl again this year. Because if you think about it, he went to the Super Bowl last year with one of the worst offensive lines in history and coming off of, of major, major knee reconstruction. And everybody seems to forget about that and you know put him on, on the second tier behind some of those guys. And I and just... You talk, and you listen, like, you said, like the, the networks forget about him, but if you listen to the top analysts... The Romos, the Troy Aikmans, they know who's the top dog, and they always say Joe Burrow. The talking heads at ESPN, they don't include him. They, they forget about uh, a, a few put him number one, but uh, the, the, the guys know football, always put Joe Burrow number one, but the networks never seem to add his uh, face to the uh, equation. Well put, and you're right. The guys that that know the game inside and out give them respect, and like you said, the talking heads. And if you want to get Justin Lacey fired up, just start talking about the talking heads on ESPN and forget it. All bets are off. I don't even want to be around them when you bring up that. So, But on, on a serious note, Justin, what, what are you thinking about the AFC, the rivals, all these good quarterbacks, good teams? Where's, how's everything going to shake out? Well, <laughs> I definitely thank you for acknowledging the fact that when it comes to the national media, I'm just going to discard any of the takes and opinions when it comes to those guys and gals as well, too. Because I discard standings. I don't care about standings. In this day and age in football, you just need to know who is it and who is not. Um, I'm still going to ride with the three big teams. I'm going to give you actually two different platforms of how I see the AFC shaking out. One of them is going to be as the Bengals being a division winner. The other one is going to be the Bengals as a wild card. Here's what the best case scenario that I see of the Bengals being a division winner. I see them finishing the rest of the season at 7-1 record with one loss, maybe to Kansas City or however you want to kind of point that out. That leaves them with a 12-5 and record. And I do feel like that that will be enough to at least garner the two seed. I still believe in Buffalo. I'm not overreacting to their loss against Minnesota. I get it, man. Fluky things happen. They fumbled right there on the goal line when the win was right there handed to them. I get it. But I'm not giving up on Buffalo in spite of Josh Allen's little bit of the elbow injury to his elbow. Don't care. I think that he will be fine. Patrick Mahomes, same way. Those are the three teams in my eyes, the Bengals, the Chiefs, the Bills, however order you want to put them. I know people want to put the Bills and the Chiefs in a different tier above the Bengals, and I get it. But those are the three powerhouse teams that I feel like that when it's all said and done, those are the teams that's going to be left standing as head and shoulders above the rest of the NFL. I'm sorry, in the rest of the AFC, I should say, with Baltimore not being so far behind. Now, I get it. Baltimore has an easier schedule down the road. But if you watch the Baltimore's games carefully, outside of their defense, nothing really tells oh, – and Lamar Jackson, of course. Outside of Lamar Jackson and that defense who can be had, Nothing really screams to me that this team is going to be dominant across the board, no matter who they line up against. They really call people napping. When we when we played against them, that game was really won by whoever had the ball last. If the Bengals would have had that ball last, the Bengals win that game. 
But unfortunately, the Ravens had the ball last, and they had the best kicker on planet Earth and Justin Tucker, and they won a game. Now, I'm like, and now, and as far as like the rest of the AFC teams go, I love what the Miami Dolphins are doing. I was very happy to see them obliterate the Cleveland Browns based off of the Browns coming off of winning their Super Bowl against the Bengals. And they are talking themselves up like they're the best team in Ohio and all this. And then the Miami Dolphins just wiped the living floor off of the Cleveland Browns. And the Browns were coming off of their bye week. So they had plenty of time to prepare. Miles Garrett didn't even register a sack. Le'Veon Clowney didn't register a sack. So I'm out on Cleveland. I was never buying into their ticket from the get-go, and I never will buy into them the rest of the season, even when Watson does come back. But I do buy into the Miami Dolphins. They are an explosive powerhouse. Yes, they are sitting a half a game above the Buffalo Bills. They do have a, a half a game edge because they beat Buffalo heads head so far. But the next time the, the Dolphins got to see the Bills, the Bills are going to probably take care of business. It's in Orchard Park in Buffalo. It's going to be cold, snowing. And the real test for Tua is can you play with these guys in these kind of elements? And they barely won their first game when they met, so I don't know how that second game is going to go. I'm going to still think the Bills are going to be the better team. I still pick them to be the top dog in the AFC. They do have the head-to-head win over Kansas City. And as far as the Chargers go, they're sitting at 5-4 and four right now. That is a sneaky team for me. I said prior to the season that that was a team that, if I'm the Bengals personally, I did not want to see in the playoffs if – they were going into the playoffs as a hot team winning a number of games down the stretch. I was wrong. I'm, I'm not sold on the Chargers at all. And I was wrong to think that Justin Herbert and Brandon Staley was going to write the ship for this Los Angeles Chargers team. Again, they have injuries. But at this point in the season, who doesn't have injuries? I'm not giving no injuries as an excuse. This Chargers play not they they haven't been playing great football at all they've been getting away with the wins that they have gotten and when they played against the 49ers on Sunday night football the 49ers showed that they were clearly head and shoulders above that team i still feel like with the new york jets that the crack beneath the surface is going to break at some point for them and i'm not sure if they'll be able to keep up now they can prove me wrong i do like their pieces i've liked their pieces all year long Sauce Gardner is a true, legit shutdown corner as a rookie who I will put in vote as defensive player of the year. However, I do not believe in Zach Wilson, and I think that they're not going to be a team that I will buy stock in long term. Now we flip into the the scenario where the Bengals are the wild card team in the AFC. If I'm the Bengals, you already have a tiebreaker over both the Dolphins and the Jets. At that point, you need to beat New England, too, to have the tiebreaker over all three AFC East rivals. Now, the only person that you will have to hope that will keep losing down the stretch is the the L.A. Chargers, which I believe that they will, and that they won't be a threat. That puts you at about, like, either the five or six seed. And, again, if the Dolphins continue to perform well as they have been, you're probably looking at the six seed for the Cincinnati Bengals, which will probably put you in a round three division matchup against Baltimore at M&T Bank Stadium, first round of the playoffs, potentially. Anything can happen throughout this rest of the season, but at the end of the day, I truly feel like that the Bengals are still the third best team in the AFC, regardless of how everything has shook out this past weekend. I still feel like projecting forward, the Bengals are going to stamp their claim and show the rest of the NFL world that defending AFC champions from 2021 are still here, we're still going to be dominating. Man, I love the takes by both of you guys. And just a quick rundown through the AFC. 
Buffalo, I think that Allen's elbow is hurt more than everyone's letting on. And Tom, I love your comment about how long is the needle going to work because you know they shot him up big time for him to play this week. So that's a big question mark for them. Jets, I don't care what their record is. They're going to be a first-round knockout in the playoffs. Miami, they're going to be tough, but I'm, I'm just concerned about Tua when it, when the pressure is really on. You know, maybe in the AFC Championship game against Burrow, I, don't, I can't see Tua winning that game. Baltimore... As you pointed out, Justin, they haven't flashed that much. I mean, yeah, they have a decent record, but they're kind of squeaking by, and they just don't have a lot of talent on the offensive side except for Lamar, and so they're a vulnerable team. None of us talked about Tennessee. Again, good in the trenches, good running game, good defense. That's what wins playoff games, but no magic at quarterback. Then you move on to the AFC West. Chargers, too many injuries. Chiefs, Mahomes, they let up a lot of points over there. So, I mean, if I had to make a prediction... Bengals and Chiefs AFC Championship game, and you know who I'm going to pick to go to the bowl in that in that circumstance. It, it was a pleasure doing the roundtable with you guys again. Um, Justin, how do people find you on social media? You can follow me on Twitter at J-U-T-T-Y underscore 13, or you can just search Justin Lacey. And those Twitter takes are just heavy hitting and always interesting and always well-informed. Tom, you have any parting words for the listeners? Um, I just say I think it. I think our playoff journey starts this weekend, and we're gonna see what team shows up. That'll do it for this episode. Next episode is going to be a review of the Pittsburgh game and a preview of the upcoming game against the Tennessee Titans. We're also going to welcome in some special guests as well. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music. Definitely something you should check out. Thank you for listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The unofficial Bengals podcast.